All right, this morning we continue in our study of the life of Christ, and we're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're almost to the conclusion of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus is the greatest preacher who ever lived. And, you know, when a preacher preaches a, a sermon, if he's the preacher he ought to be, he always preaches for a decision. He just doesn't just, you know, present facts and, you know, to try to make people feel good, and this, that, and the other, or, you know, try to live, present a talk that, you know, maybe uh, hit the emotions of people. You, you preach for a decision, uh, for people to make a decision. Uh, and, and so Jesus, the greatest preacher who ever lived, he's getting to the end of the sermon, and now he's headed toward the invitation that he's given for people to make a decision. And he begins that step toward the invitation this morning in the verses that we are going to read in Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14, as we continue our study in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. By the way, tonight at six o'clock on our Facebook page, we continue our study of the book of Revelation. And tonight we're gonna fight the battle of Armageddon. Now our president mentioned Armageddon this week, but it was not the biblical Armageddon that he was talking about. Uh, so if you wanna, have a real accurate picture of what the battle of Armageddon is going to be about and what it's going to be like tonight at six o'clock right here from our sanctuary. Uh, we have our study at six o'clock and tonight we'll look at the battle of Armageddon. But this morning, Matthew chapter seven, verses 13 and 14. And here's what Jesus says in these verses. Enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this beautiful Lord's Day. Thank you for your blessings to all of us, for your goodness and grace. And today we do want to pray for those who are in need, for those who are sick, for those who are suffering, for those who are in need. We pray a very special prayer for them and we pray that you'll give them healing and grace and mercy. We pray now that you will bless all of us as we open your inspired, infallible, and inerrant word. May the Holy Spirit of God speak to our hearts and help us, Lord, to make the decisions we need to make today for you, to know you and to live the life that you would have us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, you know, you could Google anything. You know, I hate to say this because she may respond, but Siri sometimes is my best friend. If I can't spell a word, I just ask Siri, you know? And my daughter got a little aggravated with me. My, my, my kids are, grandchildren are homeschooled and my um, granddaughter is uh, 16 and you know, my grandson 14 and they take, they're taking this math stuff, you know, algebra, all that kind of stuff. You know, math was hard enough 
But when they started adding the alphabet, that made it even harder. I mean, you know, the A equals whatever, whatever. Um, and, and so I was talking to my grandchildren and they were talking about, and they're smart as tax, you know, and they were talking about taking calculus and algebra and this, that, and the other. And, you know, I barely made it through just simple mathematics when I was in school. And they were talking about how to work out these problems and how to, you know, the formulas and everything. And I just told them, look, if you ever run into something, just ask Siri. She'll tell you. <laughs> and my daughter, who is a school teacher by trade, chastised her father tremendously. Don't tell them that they got to learn this stuff. Said, okay. Well, I did a little Googling this week. Kind of interesting. There are an estimated 4.09 million miles of roadways in the United States of America. How about that? Over 4 million miles of roadways in the United States of America, and they're adding some right down our road here in front of our church. Now, some of those roads, I've been on a lot of roads. I started to kind of try to calculate on how many roads I have been on in my lifetime since I have been driving. I had no way to calculate all of that. But I've been on a lot of roads. You've been on a lot of roads. There are some good roads, you know, some pleasant roads. Uh, those roads in the mountains, as you drive through the mountains when the leaves are turning, isn't that beautiful? You know, you're lucky you don't have five accidents as you travel, travel on those roads saying, man, look at that, you know, as you're driving down the way. Some roads are good roads. Some are beautiful roads. Some roads are bad roads. Have you ever been on a bad road? You know, pothole central as you go down the road. And some of the, you know, I was raised on a dirt road, you know, and the dust and all of that and the mud when it would rain, would rain. Uh, some roads are a pleasure to travel. Some roads are roads you want to get off of as soon as possible. I've been on some of those roads, too, in certain places at night, you know, and you say, man, what am I doing here? Let me get out of here as soon as I can. Well, in this passage, Jesus talks about two spiritual roads. And he talks about, as he comes now to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about a broad road, a wide road, a well-marked road, a well-paved road, but it's a deceptive road. It's a road that, that promises that if you follow this way, you're gonna have everything you want, and when life is over, you're gonna be where you wanna be. Jesus talked about a broad road, a deceptive road, that leads not to where you want to be, but to destruction. And then he talks about a narrow road, difficult to find, difficult to get on, a narrow and winding and challenging road, that if you follow that road, it will lead you to where you want to be. It leads you to heaven. And so Jesus talks about two roads. Now Jesus often talked in couplets, often talked in comparison of this as compared to this. And so what is Jesus talking about? 
Well, every person in the world, spiritually, every person in the world, every person in this room, every person in the world is on one of these two roads. This morning, we are either on the road that leads to eternal ruin and destruction, or you and I are on the road of eternal life that leads to heaven. So as Jesus comes now to the end of the sermon, he begins to sharpen the message for the people who are listening to him, that group listening to him outside of his disciples, to sharpen the message for that group to make a decision. See, Jesus preached for a decision. This is the truth. This is reality. Now you need to decide a very important decision in your life based on that reality. The spiritual path we're on, whether it's the broad road that leads to destruction or the narrow road that leads to eternal life and heaven, the spiritual path we are on right now depends entirely on one thing. It's not complicated. You know, there's a commercial on now on television And the punchline for the commercial is, it's not complicated. Well, it's about AT&T, and I can guarantee you this, they are complicated. Been there, done that, still dealing with them to this day. But the punchline is applicable in this sense to what we're talking about today. It's not complicated. The spiritual path that you and I are on today depends entirely on one thing and one thing alone. What have you done with Jesus Christ? What have you done? What have you chosen to do in your life with the Lord Jesus Christ? As long as a person refuses to repent, people don't want to repent. (laughs) People these days... You know, and and people, I guess always, you know, no one wants to admit that they've done wrong, that they've been stupid, that they've done the wrong actions, that they've done the wrong things. It's so hard for human beings to admit that they have done wrong and to repent of it. And when somebody does that, we stand back and say, wow, isn't that great? That they've come to the point where they're willing to admit that they've done wrong. And they want to change. It's so hard for human beings to confess that they have done wrong and to repent of that. But as long as a person refuses to repent and to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord, they are on the road that leads to destruction. Now, this is not complicated. What road you are on today, the spiritual road you are on today, depends on one thing and one thing alone. Not whether you're a good person or not, not whether you've been born in America or not, not whether you're a member of this church or that church or that group or this group or not. It depends on one thing and one thing solely. What have you done with Jesus Christ? 1 John 5, 12 puts it this way. He who has the Son, he who has Jesus, has life. If you have Jesus, you have life. You have salvation. You have eternal life. You have the assurance of heaven. 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You see, it's not complicated. What path you are on, the spiritual path you're on, on, you are on today depends on one thing and one thing alone. What have you done with Jesus Christ? You know, we preach the gospel, and the word gospel means good news. <laughs> now, before you can preach the good news, though, you've got to present the bad news. Because if there's no bad news, then there's no good news. That which makes the good news good news is the fact that there's bad news. If there's no bad news, then you don't have good news, you just have news. Now, y'all understand that? You don't understand that, but I understand it, and, you know, that's all right. All right? So, but the gospel is good news. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord... God does a whole lot of stuff in their life. A lot of things take effect immediately. Immediately you're saved. Immediately your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Immediately you are forgiven. Immediately you are redeemed. Immediately you are made a child of God. Some things happen when you give your life to Christ. Immediately you're born again at that moment. Immediately you are saved. But that's only the beginning of what God does in your life. Over time, as you walk with Him, He continues to do other things in your life to make you more and more of what God would have you to be. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, immediately, at that moment, hallelujah, at that moment, God takes that person who has been on the road to destruction, on the broad way that leads to destruction, God takes that person and puts them on the narrow way of eternal life that leads to heaven. And so, it's not complicated. What spiritual path you're on depends on what you do with Jesus Christ. Now, I was talking to an individual one time and he said that I was just trying to make him be what I thought he ought to be. And I said, no, you're free. How can I make you to be what, you know, you, you, what I think you ought to be? You know, you are free. We are free. We are absolutely free to receive Jesus and live for God. Or we can continue to hold on to our life and live our life for ourselves. We're free. God has given us that freedom of choice. You're free to, to, to repent and receive Christ or you're free not to. You're free to live your own life, do your own thing, go your own way. We have that freedom. God has granted us that freedom. But here's the thing. While you and I are free to choose which road in life we will follow, we are not free to choose the consequence of our choice. Human beings are free. You can live any way you want to. You're free to deny God, disobey God, turn away from God, refuse to follow Christ. You have that freedom. But you are not free to choose the consequences of that choice that you make. In these verses, Jesus gives us fair warning. 
There are earthly and there are eternal consequences to the road of life we choose to follow. Now this morning we're going to look at the Broadway. The expansive way. The crowded way. The road that leads to destruction. We're going to look at the description of the Broadway, the deception of the Broadway, and finally the destination of the Broadway. First of all, let's look at the description of the Broadway. Jesus describes the road that leads to destruction as wide open, easy to find, easy to follow. It's a big way. It's a broad way. It's a well-traveled way. It's a crowded way. It's a broad way. There are all kinds of people who are on the road to destruction. On the road to destruction, you'll find immoral people and ungodly people, and you'll find people who are open and obvious sinners. But also on the road to destruction, you'll find good people, relatively good folks, morally good people, law-abiding people, people who pay their taxes, people who will help out with other people sometimes when they need help. On the road to destruction, you'll find religious people. You'll find a whole multitude of unsaved church members on the road to destruction. You'll find those who follow false religious cults and false religions. On the road to destruction, you'll find religious people and non-religious people. Rich people are on the road to destruction. Poor people are on the road to destruction. Educated people, uneducated people, Sophisticated people, uncultured people, high and mighty and famous and powerful people are on the road to destruction. And those who are down and out are on the road to destruction. There are a lot of people on this road. It's broad, Jesus says. It's wide. It's well-traveled. Many people are on the road that leads to destruction. Anyone who has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is spiritually on the road to destruction. It's a big way. That's the description of this way. Let's, second of all, look at the deception of the Broadway. Now, most people who are on the road to destruction refuse to believe that that's true. They'll argue with you about it. They'll say, huh, well, just because I don't believe the way you believe doesn't mean that I'm headed to hell. You know, they, they refuse to believe that they're on a path of life that eventually will lead to their destruction. Many people who are on the road to destruction have no idea where they're headed. They have no idea the eternal danger that they are in. The truth and the reality is this. It was true when you were lost. It's true for lost people today. A person who's not saved is one second, one heartbeat, one moment, one molecule from being eternally separated from God forever. So those people are on the, the broad way. It's a deceptive way as well. In fact, the majority of those who are on the road to destruction believe they're on the road to heaven, if they believe in heaven. They believe they're all right with God if they believe in God. 
when in reality they are on a road that leads to hell. Eternal separation from God. That's what the word destruction means in this passage. Now, some people don't believe in heaven. They don't believe in hell. They don't believe in God. They're on that road. So where do they think they're headed? <laughs> well, the natural consequence of the theory of evolution is this. There is no God. There is no afterlife. So that when you die, you just fade to black. Like when you cut your te television off and it fades to black. When you die, you just fade to black. You cease to exist. If a person believes in evolution, that's what they believe about the afterlife. And so there's many people on the broad way that leads to destruction and it's a deceptive way. If you were a television reporter and you began to interview people who were on the broad way of destruction and ask them, where do you think you're headed? You'll get all kinds of answers, but almost none of them would say, well, I think I'm headed to destruction. Almost two thirds of Americans surveyed by researcher George Barner, Barner recently, almost two thirds of Americans said they believe they were going to heaven. Here's, you know, when you watch television and when you watch stuff these days, here's what you get. Here, here's the perception. Here's the belief you get. Most people are basically good. You'll hear that over and over again. Most people are basically good. And heaven is the default destination for all of us. They believe that the only ones who would not make it into heaven are those who do really bad things. Only those, you know, criminals. Only those who've done really bad things. Yeah, they're on the road to destruction. But you know, most people, have you ever heard that? Most people are basically good. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says we're all sinners. <laughs> We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that we are sinners by nature. We're born with a sinful nature and we are sinners by choice. That is when we get old enough to know better, we choose, willingly choose to sin and rebel against God. We are sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. And because we're sinners, sinning against an almighty God, heaven is not our default destination, our default spiritual destination. Hell is. Now, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to believe that. They reject that. They reject that truth and that statement. But my friend, that's what the Word of God teaches. Yes, we are covered by God's grace until we reach our age of accountability. But once we reach that age of development and we choose to sin, the only hope we have of being saved from the road that leads to destruction is to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. I saw a gospel track one time. On one side of the track it says, what must I do to be saved? And then you open it up and the answer is given. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, Acts 16, 31. Another page on the track asks this question, what must I do to be lost? You turn the next page and in the box, in a box, a word is written, one word, 
Nothing. What must I do to be lost? Nothing. You don't have to do anything to be lost. We're already lost. We have to do something to be saved. We're already lost because we're sinners. You don't have to do anything to be lost. You don't have to do anything to go to hell. You're already lost. We're lost because we're sinners. You have to do something to be saved. And to be saved, we must receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. So that's the deception of the Broadway. All of those rich and famous people. Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting to watch all these rich and famous people who completely almost demolished their lives trying to tell us how to live. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Just because they've made a movie or two and they're rich and famous, they can tell us, you know, how we're supposed to live and what we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to be. Their lives are a wreck, but because they're somehow rich and famous, they think they have the authority to tell us how to live. There's a theological word that describes that, and that word is baloney. No. I don't care what comes out of Hollywood. I'm going to stay with the Word of God. Amen. I'm going to stay with the truth of the Word of God. Amen. Those folks don't impress me one iota. No. There's a broad way that leads to destruction. And many people are on it. I'm afraid I have people I love on that broad way today. People that are in my heart. People I've been praying for. But they don't see it. They don't understand it. Because it's a deceptive way. Now listen, the world's going to follow that way. You know, we want to go with the crowd. You want to go with the culture crowd. And there's going to be all kind of presentations on what you should think and how you should believe and what you should accept. My friend, don't follow that way. What is the destination of the Broadway? Listen to what Jesus said. Verse 13, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. The word destruction in this passage is a synonym for hell. When was the last time you heard a sermon on hell? <laughs> Well, as we study the life of Christ, we'll get there. Because Jesus said more about hell than he did about heaven. Now, the concept of hell is offensive to many people today. But, of course, everything offends people today. You know, everything. You know, some people are an of, of, of offended, offensive, offended, being awaiting to happen. The concept of hell offends many people today. If you preach about hell, some people will give it to you. You know, in their response. Some years ago, there was a church of a country in Europe who decided to study how that church could be more acceptable to the people of the country. The church was losing people, losing congregants. They said, well, we need to do a study how we can make our church more acceptable 
to the people of our nation. We need to do something. So here's what they came up with. They said, you know, one of the things that we need to do so that our church will be more acceptable to the people of the world is we need to reject the idea of hell. It's in the Bible, but it's offensive to people. People don't want to hear about it. It turns off people. And so what we need to do is we don't need to teach about hell, an eternal destination called hell. We need to teach annihilation instead. So here's what this commission recommended to the church, that their church teach that eventually God is going to allow almost everyone into heaven. Now, if you hadn't been as good as you ought to be when you die, you may have to do some stuff, you know, to, before you get to heaven. Eventually, though, God's going to allow everybody into heaven. The only few who will not make it to heaven are those horrible people who will God will not allow into heaven. But the commission said, let's don't teach that there's a hell where those people go to. Let's teach, let's teach this, that people who don't make it into heaven will be annihilated instead. In other words, they'll just cease to exist. So there's no hell. If you don't make it into hell, God's just going to wipe you out and you'll no longer exist. They said, let's teach that. That will make the church more appealing to the people. Well, I'm sure it will, but it's not true. It's not true. It's not biblically true. And this is what a church is teaching in Europe. Man, I tell you, I'm not going to stray from the Word of God. I'm not going to stray from the Word of God. I don't care how much pressure there is on us these days, you know, to modify our beliefs, to make us more acceptable to the world and more acceptable to our culture. I'm not going to do that. Amen. And neither will this church. Amen. Recently, there was a popular leader in what is called the emerging church movement a thing going on popular in America today. And this popular leader wrote a book claiming that there is no hell, you know? But listen, it doesn't matter what any church says. It doesn't matter what any group says. It doesn't matter what any person says. You cannot cut hell out of the Bible. The Bible teaches that hell is a real place. It teaches that hell is a place of destruction, which means to be eternally ruined, but not annihilated. The Bible teaches that those in hell are conscious, aware, and affected by their horrible conditions and surroundings, and they will be for all eternity. Jesus himself taught that there is a hell. And this is true. If Jesus was wrong about hell, then he's wrong about heaven. If what Jesus says is not true about hell, then nothing he said about heaven is true. Now, anytime you talk about hell, you always get this question. How could a loving God send anyone to hell? Well, first of all, God does not send anyone to hell. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there. It is their choice. See, you're free to make any choice you want to make as long as you don't break the laws and the policemen come and get you. You're free to choose any way you want to go, 
believe anything you want to believe. You're free to do that, but you're not free to choose the consequences of your choices. God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go there by rejecting Christ. The better question is this, how could a loving God allow an unredeemed, unsaved person to even approach the realm of heaven? An unsaved person, one who is not covered by the forgiveness and perfection of Christ, one who is not made fit by God to live in the perfect and holy atmosphere of heaven, that person could never approach God they would never be allowed to enter into the gates of heaven. They would be forever locked out of the joys of heaven. If it were possible for an unsaved person to somehow even approach heaven, that would mean that they would be confined outside of heaven for eternity, never allowed in. That would be a fate worse than sending them to hell. Yes, hell is real. And I know it's a touchy subject, and I know it's a subject people don't want to hear today, and I know it's a subject that people say, oh, preacher, don't preach on that. People don't like to hear that, and they don't want to come to a church that preaches that. I'm sorry. That's what the Bible teaches. I take my stand on the Word of God and on its truth. Now, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He sent his son into the world to make it possible that people will not go to hell. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, go to hell, but have everlasting life. And so the choice is yours. You can be on the broad way that leads to destruction. You can deny it leads there. You can deny your own such a way. But Jesus says, if you have never received him as your Savior and Lord, you're on that broad way that leads to destruction. There are a lot of people on there. There are a lot of people in this world that's on that road. It's a popular road. It's a well-paved road. It's an easy road to follow. You can just follow the crowd. You're either on that road that leads to destruction or you're on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. It's narrow because it's hard to find. It's narrow because it's hard for people to repent, get right with God, and humble themselves to receive Jesus Christ. Now, as Jesus comes to the end of this sermon, he begins to build toward his invitation. And Jesus makes it clear when it comes to salvation, it's not complicated. You're either saved or you're not. You're either on the narrow road that leads to heaven or on your, you're on the broad way that leads to destruction. In the verses that follow this, Jesus said spiritually, you're either like a good tree, a saved tree, bearing good fruit for salvation, or you're like a corrupt tree, an evil tree that's bearing evil fruit for destruction. In verses following that, in this very same sermon, Jesus said, you're either building your life on the solid rock of faith, or you're building your life on the sinking sand of rejecting him as your Savior and Lord. Jesus says, in this, as he comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in this world, there's two kinds of people. There's two kinds of travelers. There's two kinds of trees. 
There's two kind of builders. When it comes to salvation, it's not complicated. It's as simple as this. What have you done with Jesus Christ? Have you received Him as your Savior and Lord? Have you accepted Him? Have you repented of your sins? Have you humbled yourself before an Almighty God to say, I have sinned and I am sorry. And today I want to receive Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I repent. I repent of my sin and my selfishness, my ungodliness, and all of that stuff I've done. And I want you to forgive me and I ask you to forgive me. I did that many years ago. I was an old haughty, prideful thing. I was a radio personality <laughs> on a thousand watt AM radio station. <laughs> I thought I was something. And the Lord got a hold of me and I came to realize I was nothing but a stinking old sinner. And I needed to be saved. And so they came that day when I humbled myself before God Almighty. And I said, Lord, I'm lost and I'm a sinner. And I want to be saved. Would you save me? I repent today and I come to you. And the Lord saved my soul. Ha! The greatest fact of my life is that the Lord saved my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And he'll save your soul as well.